0: Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. By means of introduction, as we come to the prophet Jonah, this book is one of the most criticized books in the Bible. Outside the book of Revelation and outside the book of Genesis, I believe that the book of Jonah is right there in the top five books that are criticized in the Word of God. A lot of people are going to come and say, well, maybe this book of the Bible is just a, a story. It didn't really happen. Maybe this character was just a man who was a figment of the Old Testament's imagination. Well, I, I'm glad that some people think that way and whatever you might view this book as, I want you to know this, that, that let me share with you that in the gospel of Matthew chapter 12 and chapter 16 and Luke chapter 11, we read about Jesus. And if Jesus said something, don't you, don't you think it's good enough to believe it? Well, if Jesus said it, if Jesus believed it, it's good enough for me, my brother, my sister. And in Matthew chapter 12, the Bible says that Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and all these religious people. And he said, all of you are seeking after a sign, but the only sign you're going to get is of the prophet Jonah. How he was three days and three nights in the belly's well. And he said, just as the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You know, a lot of people are going to come to the book of Jonah and they're going to say, well, the Old Testament says that Jonah was swallowed by a fish. And Jesus said that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. So which one is it? A fish or a whale? Because, you know, uh, our modern classification, uh, science says that a a whale is a mammal, not a fish. Well, may I put on my professor glasses today? (laughs) Just kidding. Maybe God's classification of a fish is not man's idea of their classification of a mammal. Maybe God's classification is this, that if it lives inside the water, it's a fish. And if it lives outside the water, it's a mammal. Anyways, with all that in mind, we have no reason to discredit this book of the Bible, even though the only person in the Bible to reference the book of Jonah, to reference the prophet Jonah is Jesus. And if, it, if, if Jesus believed he existed and Jesus named him by name, I believe this man existed. And in this book, we read about a man who was running from God. So I, I want to share with you this thought today. Don't Run from God. Don't run from God. Or, in other words, never run from God that's what I want to label as my sermon title today never run from God you know you can run but you surely cannot hide from the presence of God in Jonah chapter 1 we read about how he is running from the presence of God in Jonah chapter 2 I believe he is encountered with the power of God in the belly of the whale and then I believe that in chapter 3 we read about how Jonah could not escape the plans of God for his life today I want to I want to share with you a key thought. that's going to summarize the content of my message and I hope will summarize the content of the book of Jonah. It's this, it is far better to run to God than to run from God. It is far better to run to God than to run from God. I'm afraid that so many people in the United States of America are running as, as fast as they can away from God in the presence of God. I submit to you today, it's time that we as a body of believers and as people who call themselves Christians, we run to God as fast as we can and we seek to stay in his presence. Today, I want to share with you three thoughts about running from God. Thought number one comes from the first chapter. Here's what I wrote down. We cannot run from the presence of God. We cannot run from the presence of God. First and foremost, we know that God is omnipresent. In other words, God is everywhere at all times there is not a place that God has not been and there is not a place that God will not arrive to God is everywhere God he's He's everywhere at all times it's hard for us to imagine and see the devil tries to mimic that and that's why he has his angel he has his demonic spirits and he see and he throws them out in the world to tempt us and to try to steer us away but God is always present the psalmist said if I go up into heaven behold thou art there if I go and make my bed in hell behold thou art there you see God is omnipresent and 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 I I want you to know this, that you might be trying to run from God, but you can't hide from him. Remember back in the book of Genesis chapter 3, we read about the garden of Eden and in the garden, man, Adam and Eve decided they were going to eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that God said them not to eat from. And you know what they did? They began to run from God and then they tried to hide from God. You cannot hide from him and you can't run from his presence. Look at verse number one. The Bible says that the word of God came to Jonah and said, Arise and go to Nineveh. These were the ancient Assyrians and they were very very wicked and many of you probably have studied history but but they call the Assyrians the Nazis of the ancient world. Just imagine Adolf Hitler living back in the time period of the Assyrians and they're doing all of the vile things that they did. And then in verse number 3 or excuse me, the Bible says in verse number two that their wickedness is come up before me. Now remember in the Old Testament, that's where we are located right now. The book of Jonah is in the lodge in the Old Testament. And so still underneath the sacrificial laws. Remember the Old Testament saints, they would come to the place of worship and there would, they would come to the altar and they would uh, sacrifice the lambs and all these animals. And then as the smoke and, and the the savor or the smell of that, that sacrifice would go up and and, and God would breathe into his nostrils, the Bible talks about, a sweet-smelling savor. But instead of a sacrifice being offered up to God, the Bible says that this nation, this culture, that, that it wasn't sacrificing that was going up into his eyes. It was wickedness. Sin was prevalent in the Assyrian Empire. And so verse number three says that Jonah rose up and he fled to Tarshish. If you've ever looked at a map, maybe, you know, a lot of times we kind of... My Bible doesn't have it. My, my Bible actually has has no notes, no nothing. It's just the Bible. But, you know, if you might have a study Bible there, I mean, I have plenty of those, but you can have cross-references in your Bible. Then you go to the back of the Bible and it has maps. The reason why there's maps there is so that when you come to a passage like this, you can read about how the Assyrians or the Ninevites were over here. And then Jonah fled to Tarshish, which was over here. So Jonah was right here, and he, instead of going this way, he went the complete opposite direction of God called him to go. And as I read these first three verses, here's what I wrote down. Underneath, you cannot run from the presence of God. I wrote down this. When we rebel against God, we are running from His presence. The Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And and I'm afraid that there's a lot of people in our world that are rebels... Toward the word of God. But it's time that we lay aside our rebellious attitude and we exchange it for righteous gratitude. It's time that we say instead of adopting a rebellious spirit, we adopt a humble and meek spirit before God. But Jonah ran very far from the presence of God, or at least he thought he was running far from the presence of God. As I read verses 4 through 15, Jonah goes and he, he, the Bible says in verse number three that he paid the fare thereof. He found this boat that was going to sail into the Mediterranean Sea and he pays the money and he gets on there. And may I say this, that sin will take you farther than you ever thought it would take you and it will keep you a whole lot longer than you ever thought it would keep you. And let me tell you something, sin has a way of finding you. Sin has a way of binding you and sin has a way of grinding you to powder. You say, well, it's just a little bit here and a little bit there. No, no, no. Listen, my friend, when you started getting, getting comfortable around sin, you are running away from the presence of God in your life. Here's what I wrote down as I read verses 4 through 15. When man is disobedient, God sends his chastisement. When man is disobedient, God sends his chastisement. Why does God discipline his people? Why does God discipline his children, his sons and daughters? Because he loves us. He does. Maybe you have children, maybe you have grandchildren, maybe you have great-great-grandchildren, maybe, maybe you don't. But, but you know that if, if you don't, maybe you can go back to when you were a child, and you did something naughty that you weren't supposed to do, and your parents disciplined you. Now, maybe some of y'all were like me, and you got the belt from almighty Mr. Ratliff. <laughs> I remember the day, I don't know how old I was, but I remember the day I looked at my dad, and said, Dad, that didn't hurt. Boy, the next three did. <laughs> now, maybe you choose to discipline your children another way. However you do, you figure out what works good for you. Um, after that moment, my dad just had to threaten, and I don't think I ever got spanked again. But he, my parents disciplined me in certain areas of my life. Because I was being disobedient to the rules that they established of their household. And the Bible tells us that God is going to chastise us. In other words, he's going to discipline us when we go outside of the law of God. And Jonah was running far from the law of God. So Jonah received the chastisement of God as I read verse 16. We're not going to read through all these, but let me just tell the story. He gets in this boat and all these manners, these, these sailors, they were out there and they all start to pray to their God because a storm comes. You know, sometimes the storms we go through are self-inflicted storms. Sometimes the storms that are sent to us are sent from God because he's trying to chasten us and wake us up and get our attention. And so Jonah is fast asleep on this ship and there these mariners, these sailors, they come and they're crying out to all their gods. They're praying to this God and that God and this God and that God and just trying to figure out who's God they upset and finally they realize that hey there's another guy named Jonah he's sleeping down there so let's go find him he says yep I'm a God I worship the the, I'm a Hebrew and I serve the one true God and so then you know the story they had a conversation they were throwing stuff off the ship and instead they decide that well it's time to throw you Jonah into the sea (laughs) And you know, it's interesting, when you read the book of Jonah, as soon as his body entered that body of water, the storm ceased. In the midst of that story, in verse 16, I really want you to see this verse. I wrote down this. God is sovereign even in our rebellion and disobedience. Look at verse 16. It says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Just as that song says, the overwhelming love of God. When God's love is destined to be upon you, you cannot escape it, my dear friend. And here in the midst of Jonah rebelling against God and running as far away from God as he could, it was still in God's sovereign plan and he saved these sailors. You cannot run from the presence of God. But now may I share with you, secondly, remember, before I do, it is far better to run to God than to run from God. I wrote down, secondly, as I read verse 17 of chapter 1 all the way down to verse 2, excuse me, verse 10 of chapter 10, I wrote down this. We cannot run from the power of God. We cannot run from the power of God. First of all, we talked about God's presence. We can't run from it. And now today I want to share with you how we cannot run from the power of God. God is not only the omnipresent God, but He is the omnipotent God. He is the all-powerful God who spoke the world into existence and the one who allows us to live this life. He gave us life. He gave us the breath and breathed on us the breath of life, and now we can live our lives for Him. But look at verse number 17. The Bible says that the Lord prepared a great fish... To swallow up Jonah. And the Bible says that Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then verse number one of chapter two. It says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. So here's also what I wrote down. Catch this now. Hear me out. Listen carefully. God has the power. To get our attention when we ignore him. God has the power to get our attention when we ignore him. I believe that's what's going on right here in the book of Jonah. You see, Jonah was not only running from God's presence, he was also ignoring the presence of God in his life because he knew that God is omnipresent. He knew God everywhere at all times. And here he's running far and now he finds himself in the, the Mediterranean Sea and then lying in the belly of a whale. Now, I'm not saying today that if you run from God and start ignoring God, that he's going to swallow you up with a fish. I'm not saying that today, but maybe, maybe some of y'all need to get swallowed by a fish so God can wake you up. Maybe America needs to be swallowed by a whale in the ocean so that America can finally say, hey, we need God. Maybe so. But all I'm saying is this, is that when we run from God, when we ignore God, God is going to do something to shake us. God is going to do something to awaken us and to grab our attention. Look at verse 2. Here is Jonah's prayer. In fact, all the way down to verse number 9 is Jonah's prayer. I find it very interesting to read prayers in the Bible. They are fascinating. They are amazing. And they help me to develop a greater prayer life. But as I was reading this prayer, here's also what I wrote down. Not only God has the power to get our attention when we ignore him, but I wrote down this, God has the power to answer our supplication when we pray to him. God has the power to answer our supplication when we pray to him. Look at verse 2. I just want to read this prayer. It says, and I said, and said, here's what Jonah prayed. I cried by reason of my affliction, in other words his trial, unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep and the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, the earth. With her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. O oh Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay That that I have vowed, and the theme of the book is right here, salvation is of the Lord. Would you read that with me? Salvation is of the Lord. One more time, please. Salvation is of the Lord. God has the power to answer our supplication when we pray to him. Maybe you're here today and maybe you know that there's something, a burden that you're trying to carry. Man, just lay it down at the feet of Jesus and let him carry it for you. The Bible says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. The Bible says that if we um, cast our burden upon him, he will sustain us. In other words, he's going to hold us up. Here, the Bible says that, that Jonah literally had to hit the rock at the bottom of the ocean and be swallowed by a whale before he could realize it was time to stop ignoring God and start obeying God and start praying to Him. You see, maybe God has you in a situation right now because He knows that, that the only way for you to get out of that situation is because it, it's through Him. And God wants you to depend fully on Him. Yay. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Bible says, I will fear no evil. No matter what kind of trial you're going through, no matter what kind of tribulation you're going through, I want you to know this, that you don't have to fear because God is on your side. As I read verse 10, look at verse 10. This is the Lord spake unto the fish. Hmm. Wonder what kind of language that was. <laughs> Maybe that's what speaking in tongues is, Brother Dave. (laughs) And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. It's amazing. As soon as we declare our sin and go to war with our flesh and we humble ourselves before God, I believe God is going to bless us. So here's what I wrote down. God has the power to provide salvation to all those who need him. God has the power to provide salvation to all those who need him. Chapter 2, there's a greater thing going on in chapter 2. There's a greater emphasis going on in the book of Jonah than the fact that Jonah was swallowed up by a whale and he got spat out and he was running from God. You see, if you you look at verse number 6, verse number 6 is connected to Psalm number 16. And when you begin to read and study the Psalms, you'll find out that it talks about how the Holy One of Israel is not going to see corruption. Then you begin to read what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, how he said that just as as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the Bible is emphasizing this thought here, that Jesus rose from the grave. And here in the book of Jonah, we, we read about how Jesus, yes, he came and he died. Yes, he came and he paid the penalty of sin. But what's greater than that is that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave by rising again the third day. And we see that right here in Jonah chapter 2. Sure, there have been some who have said that Jonah physically died and was resurrected. Now, perhaps that's true. Perhaps it's not. But it sure does preach good if it ain't true or is true. But nonetheless, we see that this whole life symbolizes and typifies Jesus and his death and resurrection and then it goes a little step further I believe because the Bible says that when we come to know Christ as Savior we say goodbye to the old man and we say hello to the new man and when we go and we get baptized we get baptized and we go underneath the water and we're saying goodbye to the old man Romans chapter 6 says and when we are raised we are raised in likeness of Christ and in newness of life we cannot run from the power of God God has the power to save not you not me Only he can give the increase. We cannot run from the presence of God. Remember, it is far better to run to God than to run from God. Never run from God. May I share with you chapter 3? In fact, I like chapter 3 the most in this story because we're all like Jonah. In fact, Isaiah said it like this. He said, we're all like sheep and we've all gone astray. So we're all like Jonah, and at some point in our life, we've all run from God. But I'm glad that when we were running from God, it wasn't that we found God, but it's that God ran after us in such speed that we couldn't outrun Him, and He brought us back to the fold. And yes, God leaves the 99 just to find the one who's lost their way. And Jonah was that one. It's amazing, when we think about revival, we think about people that really got the touch of God in their lives, Somebody who, who is very, a very great orator. Somebody who's just beaten, beaten and battered in the prayer closet and their, knees, their prayer knees are calloused. But I'm telling you, Jonah wasn't like that. Jonah, in a sense, was a backslidden child of God in the Old Testament who was running far from God and did not want to obey God. And he gets to Nineveh. And you know he wasn't right with God for, to, to a certain extent because you, you, you gotta know, a preacher is going to preach forever and a day. Jonah preached one sentence. Jonah didn't want to be there, man. But he obeyed. And here's what I wrote down as I read chapter 3 We cannot run from the plans of God. We cannot run from the plans of God. God has a specific purpose for you and your life, and you can't run from it. God is searching. God is seeking. God is coming after you and wants to use you in his sovereign plan to advance the gospel. And look at verse number one of chapter three. It says, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Say these words with me the second time. Say second with me. Second, God. Comes to Jonah the second time. I'm glad that God comes to you and me. Second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, etc., 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 time after time after time. So here's what I wrote down. God is a God of second chances. Hallelujah, thank the Lord. That ought to make any old deadbeat Baptist get up out of their seat and say amen. I'm telling you, God is a God of second chances. If God gave Jonah a second chance, God can give you and me second and third chances. And I'm so thankful for that. Look, it goes on to say, he says, Arise, the same, literally like the same message that he said back in chapter 1. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now normally, if you give a preacher an opportunity to preach, You don't have to tell them twice. It's like offering Chick-fil-A nuggets to a Baptist on Sunday. Uh, You don't have to tell them twice. (laughs) And then it says, verse 3, it says, So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Remember, they walked and rode horses. So it would take them three days to travel from the beginning, this side, all the way to this side. And he walked in. The Bible says... A day's journey. And he says, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. In my mind, I can just imagine Jonah in this place and he, you know, he just got out the whale and he got himself cleaned up. Because you know that boy was nasty. <laughs> you know he was. He looked worse than all those people who went in that mud run yesterday. Uh, And there he is, clean himself up. He marches in and he walks in that city for about a day's journey. And he looks around and he says, yet in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. All right, God, I I did my part. (laughs) Can you imagine? I mean, that's what I imagine in my mind. That Jonah's walking in and he just does the bare minimum to get by. Now, I'm reading between the lines, of course. But here's what I want you to know. That when God is up to something, He just wants to use whoever He desires. And for some reason, God in His plan wanted to use Jonah this way. And as I read verse number four, as I read verses five down to verse nine, I wrote down this God is a God who sends revival. He is. God is the author of revival. We can't drum it up, we can't, we can't, we can't like uh, schedule it. In fact, when God shows up, he just shows up. And I'm thankful that God has showed up in your life and showed up in my life in great ways. And we're praying, I'm praying that God is going to show up in a great way, not just on October or in April, twice a year. I'm praying, we should pray that God would show up every time we get together. That it's not just any old ordinary service, but it's a time that we come and we're seeking God's presence. We're seeking God's power and we're wanting God to do a great work in us and through us and in our community. Verse 5, imagine Jonah says his sentence and he sits down. And then the Bible says in verse 5 that the people of Nineveh believe God. When God is up to something, it doesn't take much to open up the water flow of the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that they proclaimed a fast. Whenever you find fasting, whenever you find praying, you always find people who are sold out for Almighty God. Maybe that's why American United Christianity is not sold out. It's because we're not believing God, we're not fasting, we're not praying, we're not seeking the presence of God, we're not even reading our Bibles, we're not out sharing the good news of Jesus, we're not doing any of that. And so why why do we expect the spiritual temperature to be as low as it is in America? We need to be like the Ninevites. A man of God came and surely he didn't preach a great message or by any way, shape, or form one sentence and then God moved. God doesn't need somebody who has a PhD in theology or homiletics. God just wants a willing vessel, and he wants you to be that vessel, and he wants me to be that vessel. And then the Bible says that they proclaimed a fast, they put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least. And the Bible says in verse number six, for the word came unto the king of Nineveh. So finally the king gets word about what's going on. And the Bible says that he rose up from his throne, so he stood up, and he laid his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Check out verse 7. Now this is the power of God right here. It says, He caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, they're serious, nor herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God, Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Whenever you see God's Spirit showing up and the power of God sending revival, you always see people confessing their sins and repenting from the wrongdoings that they have done. And I'm afraid that we have become so numb to sin in modern Christianity that that we are not even concerned about the sin that's in our life. Revival, in a sense, is getting close to God and God revealing the faults in our life, and then we're cleaning ourselves up. Verse number nine says, Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perished on? So let me just elaborate what this means. God promised in his word long ago that if we obey his word, we have his blessing. But if we disobey his word, we reap his chastisement or his judgment. And so right here in verse number nine And verse number 10, I believe that we're reading about how God is pulling back his judgment that he was going to send to Nineveh because they got right with him. So when I read verse number 10, I wrote down this. Not only God is the God of second chances, not only God is the God who sends revival, but I wrote down this. God is a God who blesses obedience. And look at verse number 10. It says, and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented. In other words, he changed his mind of the judgment that was going to happen and he was going to sin that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. By the way, the word evil is used right here. And there are times that evil means evil like we think of. Then there's time that evil means calamity or a trial or a tribulation. I believe that the word here literally means that God was going to send them a trial in the form of his judgment because of their disobedience, but he pulled it back and did not do it. We cannot run from the plans of God. God has a plan for your life and he wants to use you. To advance his gospel. We cannot run from the power of God. God is so powerful. And he can grab our attention. And we cannot run from the presence of God. As I was studying this book recently, I began to ask myself, why in the world, why did Jonah even run from God? Why? I mean, why? If he knew that God would send revival if he was obedient, then why would he even run to begin with? Chapter 4 gives us the answer. We're not going to read all the verses, but I want to share with you. It says that it displeased Jonah. Now, now if you are a preacher, you have to understand, or if you're a Sunday school teacher, or you in any way, shape, or form, you teach or preach God's word, and you see a host of people getting saved and getting right with God, it ought to just fill your cup to the overflowing, and then some. But the Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 4 that Jonah was displeased. Man. And he was angry. In fact, the Bible says he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before the Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil or the calamity he was going to send. Therefore, now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah is saying, may I summarize it? May I give you um, my paraphrase or the Brian Ratliff translation? (laughs) Jonah says, God, I knew that if I would go to the Ninevites, you were going to do a mighty work in their life. But I did not want to go to them because I do not like them. That's what he's saying. In fact, I believe that that there's a saying called racism that Jonah had towards these Ninevites. He hated them and he did not want to go to them and share the good news. May I share this today? That God wants to save all nations and all peoples and who are we to hold back that message to any type of people group? Doesn't matter if they're in the Amazon jungle and never heard of Jesus before or if they're in a big old city like Tokyo. God wants to save all all kindreds and nations and people. And God gets the final word in this book. If God can use a prophet like Jonah, I want you to know this, God can use you. You say, well, you don't know what I've done, brother Brian. You're right, I don't, but God does. And God can use your pain and turn it in to his glory. In fact, I like what one preacher said. He said, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. In fact, Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper, a mad old temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Uh, Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was too short. Abraham was too old. And listen, Lazarus was dead. God can use us just like he used them. Don't run from God. Maybe you're here today and you are running from God. I want you to know this. That just as you're running from God... God is running faster to catch up with you to bring him back to this fold. It is far better to run to God than to run from God. Let's Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbryanratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at Ratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you, and have a great week.